Amen. This morning I want to share with you on the wisdom of God. We are studying the book of Proverbs as people. I hope you're reading through the book of Proverbs, and as you do, you're realizing this is a father speaking to a son. And so there is a wisdom for a son to gain. If you will, I'd like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. This is our key verse that we're studying for the year. And it's Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church, and he says this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. Ephesians 1.17 Paul's prayer is that the church would know Jesus better. In other words, increase their faith and trust in Him. To know Him better is to trust Him more. And the way to trust Him and increase your faith is to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation poured into your heart and mind. That's Paul's cry. So what do we find out initially about wisdom? That the wisdom that God would have for us is not simply knowledge or worldly wisdom, but in fact, a spirit of wisdom. The wisdom of the Spirit. The wisdom of being in relationship with Him. Because Paul says, if you have this knowledge, wisdom, and faith, then he says, pray also the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And he says, Know the hope that you've been called. So that the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparable great power for us who believe. So basically, as you get knowledge, as you get wisdom and revelation, you will know your calling, you will know your inheritance or the legal rights of sonship, and you'll know God's power working in your life. That's why we need wisdom and revelation. To know our calling, who are we in Christ, to know our inheritance, and to know God's power in us. And so this morning I want to take you to look at God's wisdom. If you'll turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1. I start with this. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. 1 Corinthians 1.18 The message of the cross is to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? Now, another translation for the word foolishness is stupidity. I can't win today. Have you ever ministered to someone and they thought that the cross was absolutely foolish? And for most people in the world who are not born of the Spirit, Christianity is foolish. Christianity is stupid and weak. 
Maybe you've run into some folks like that. Now, we have a problem with that because we as Christians know that the cross is everything to us. And we get offended when the world says Christianity is stupid and weak. But what you have to understand is they cannot know this knowledge except by the Spirit of God. And we want everybody to accept Christianity as valid truth when they are spiritually dead. And you've got to understand that the world considers Christianity weak and stupid. In fact, I I picked this up off the internet, and it says this concerning Christianity. The belief that a cosmic Jewish zombie who was his father make you live forever if you symbolically eat his flesh and telepathically tell him you accept him as your master so he can remove an evil force from your soul that is present in humanity because a rib woman was convinced by a talking snake to eat from a magical tree. That makes perfect sense. But that's what it looks like to a world who has no spiritual discernment. It sounds like mythology and the same stupid parables or fables, I should say, that other people believe. Let's go a little further with that concept and let's actually take a look at what this derogatory statement is attacking. Number one, this Jewish zombie, they're attacking the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ who once was dead has now come alive. Secondly, they're attacking the Trinity. Jesus who is the Father and the Son, the Godhead, the triune unity. We know the separation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but yet the unity of God. But to an unbeliever, that makes no sense at all. It's an attack of the Trinity. It's an attack on communion. They say that if you symbolically eat His flesh, well, that's the celebration of our covenant meal, that through the cross we've been saved by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. They see that as hocus-pocus. In fact, that's where the word came from. Hocus-pocus came from... uh, deriding the Catholic Church because when the priest would declare his transubstantiation over the, uh, bl- the bread and wine, he would declare hocus corpus, which means the body and blood. And so the idea of magic incantation for hocus pocus came about. Now, they don't understand that. And then he says, Uh, An evil force from your soul in all humanity, that's talking about sin and original sin, right? And then, of course, a rib woman is God creating man. And, of course, the snake is Satan, and the magical tree is talking about life and death, eternal life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and and the tree of life. So isn't it interesting that when you put it in the frame of sarcasm, it sounds pretty foolish, but when you look and lift the veil behind it, what is it attacking? All the major doctrines of the Christian faith that they will not see and will not understand. But my question is, what are you left with? What's the alternative? If there was not a God who created all things and a God who loved us, and a God who put order and purpose to our lives, who was here with us, but we rebelled and called ourselves to separate from Him, and that rebellion created sin, and that sin creates separation from God, but God so loves us, He pursued us and sent His Son to pay for the penalty of that sin so that we could be reunited with Him. If you take that away, and if that sounds too foolish to you, 
What's your alternative? Well, your alternative is this. Man evolved from nothing by random mutation over billions of years. That gives purpose to life, doesn't it? Man has no purpose and he never will. There is no truth. And there is no moral right and wrong. The strongest survive. We live and then we die. What do you prefer? What gives you purpose in life? What gives peace and civility to mankind? What builds on hopes and dreams? What gives a sanctity to life and a respect one for another? Nothing can match Christianity in its beauty and its purpose for mankind and its redeeming power. And so you can mock it, but let's remember why it's being mocked. God, in fact, said they would not understand it. Let's go on in our verse. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. We get it. It means everything to us, though it means nothing to them. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Do you know what God's saying there? He purposed this form of redemption to confound the wisdom of the world. I mean, how smart, how strong is God that he's so weak, men put him to death. How wise is God's wisdom that he's crucified on a cross and dies and is raised in three days. Now where's the wisdom in that? And that's what Paul picks up on. He says this, Where's the wise man? Where are the scholars? Where's the philosophers of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom knew Him not. You're so smart. Where's the wise man? You're so smart that you can't even see me in creation, God says. You can't see that there is a God who put order into all these things. Where's the philosophers? Those who believe in a transcendent moral uh, ideology. You can't figure out that there's a moral code. You think truth's relative? When I am God and I've created all these things, you can't even see me in all this. Where's your wisdom? You're blind, is what he's saying. And so what I've done is something that puts your wisdom to foolishness. And it says, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. You see, what he decided to do was set salvation upon faith and not intelligence. Ah, now the, the world would say, yeah, we know, you Christians are really a bunch of dummies. And Paul says, yeah, that's right. God took the weak to confound the wise. You see, if salvation was based on intelligence and philosophy and on secret wisdom that you gain, then how many people would have access to that? And how smart really are we when it comes down to it? Right? Einstein was one of the smartest men around, wasn't he? Yet he couldn't find Christ, could he? There are geniuses throughout time in history that could not find 
God's love and salvation that was openly on display for them because they were blind. Paul goes on, he says this, look, Jews demand a sign. And Greeks look for wisdom. And so that's the reference to power and wisdom. Jews are looking for miraculous, powerful signs. And the Greeks are looking for philosophical wisdom to prove that there's a God. Well, God decided to do something else. He said, we preach Christ crucified. And that is an absolute stumbling block to the miraculous sign of the Jews and to the wisdom of the Greeks or the Gentiles. God did that on purpose. That His love was so beyond our intelligence and our understanding of power. There was a power at work in the cross that is more powerful than the force of any nuclear weapon. It was the power of love that would send God in the flesh to the cross to die for us. Its intellect and genius was so beyond man. Because what it did was it satisfied the law of God to perfection and brought the mercy of God in our deepest need. It's genius. But it's a stumbling block to the Jews. They couldn't figure it out. How can you have a miracle when the Messiah we're waiting for is hanging on that tree dead? I don't get that. Well, you needed to wait around for three days. Quit too soon. And how smart is it that the one who's coming to save mankind dies on a tree? You can't get past the cross. The cross is the stumbling block. Did you see the poster that was ridiculing us? And what was the picture on that poster? Jesus on the cross. It is a stumbling block to everybody. We can't figure this one out. Well, the alternative is that man's supreme. And we can see that and visit all the grave sites of the famous, smart, strong, wealthy, intelligent people. Right? That's your alternative. Now, so basically, brothers and sisters, this is weak and stupid to them. And the Bible says, Paul understood that it is. To the Jews, it's too weak. And to the Gentiles, it's ignorance. But God said, yes, you're right. And then Paul picks up on that and says, God's weakness is greater than man's strength. God's foolishness is wiser than man could ever comprehend. If this is God's weakest, wait till Christ comes back. Amen? Then you'll see the glory of God. He said, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and the, intelligent, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Because they can't figure this one out. Because it is by faith you will know me. Not by your intelligence and not my, by my dramatic display of power. He goes on and he says this. Tremendous message. He said, look at us. He says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were before you were called. Not many of us were wise 
by human standards. Not many of us were influential. Not many of us were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before Him. It's because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. I mean, really, that's what he says. He says, look at us. (laughs) Look at who we are. Now, nuclear physicists can get saved. Do we have any here this morning? Any geniuses here? Two? Any uh, kings? Uh, anyone born of noble birth? Who are we? We're the lowest. That's what he's trying to say. And why is it that the gospel reaches those who are poor, those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who are destitute? Because those are the people who all they have left in life is faith to believe that God loves them. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 9, 27, he said, Don't let the strong man glory in his strength. Don't let the, the uh, rich man glory in his riches. Don't let the wise man glory in his wisdom. But if you're going to glory in anything, glory in this, that you know that I am God. That's what we glory in. We glory not in ourselves. We glory not in our own intelligence. We glory not in our own strength. We glory not in our own abilities and wealth. We glory in one thing. It's a wisdom that's beyond the wisdom of this world. It's a wisdom that confounds scientists. It confounds the wealthy. It's a wisdom that gives us life and life abundantly. It's knowing the cross of Jesus Christ. As you study the book of Proverbs and want to learn from a father to a son, it's Father God speaking unto the sons who He has made through Jesus Christ. That's us. But the the one thing you have to understand, which is the beginning of wisdom, is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where wisdom is birthed. The foolish to confound the wise. We're just a bunch of people here. But isn't it amazing that we've found the source of all wisdom? You know, you can have all sorts of money and live a miserable life. All sorts of intelligence. And it doesn't get you one day past death, does it? No. So, brothers and sisters, we go to chapter 2 where Paul is now going to tell us where our wisdom originates and what is the point of our wisdom. So as we're studying wisdom as as a people, we know that it comes by faith in trusting Jesus Christ. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. Now, it's interesting, we have all sorts of doctorates and scholars who study Paul's work, and Paul says, I wasn't a doctor of theology, I came with lowly speech. Isn't it interesting that his revelation knowledge of who Christ is confounds 
the wisest theologians around. They're just dumb fishermen, they said of the apostles. But these are those who have been with Jesus and they have turned the world upside down. The Pharisees couldn't understand it because it's a wisdom birthed in the cross of Jesus Christ. I didn't come with you to you with superior wisdom. As I proclaim to you in a testimony of God, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and Him crucified. There it is. I didn't show you all of my intellect and all of my learning that I stud in rabbinical school sitting at the feet of Gamaliel. I didn't show you all of my intellect and knowledge of the Old Testament Scriptures. I taught you one thing about wisdom. The cross of Jesus Christ. It is the fountain of all Scripture. It is the fountain of all revelation. It is the fountain of all wisdom and life abundantly. It's the cross. That's what I want you to know. The cross. Some people need to go further. I'm telling you, everything flows out of the cross. We could study the cross for the rest of our lives and not even begin to understand the depths of what has been demonstrated there for us. He goes on and he says, I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. So he didn't come haughty. He didn't come, I'm, I know all that. I'm this, I'm that. He said, I came trembling because I have a message from God that is the greatest revelation to mankind. It is the revelation of the love of God through Christ Jesus on the cross. My preaching was not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Put that together. Now, what's the one thing he wanted to know among them? Christ and Christ crucified. And what's the demonstration of power? The cross. I came with trembling. I cannot speak or share upon the cross with some attitude. How could I be so pride, proudful and think of the eloquence of my speech when I am telling you the God of this universe gave everything He had for you and died on the cross to display His love for you and I. That's the power of God. And every healing that took place as I laid hands on the sick was because of what Jesus did on the cross. Every soul that was saved and everyone who could believe and trust unto salvation wasn't because of my ability to speak. It's because of the revelation of God's love through the cross. Oh, church, if we would go back to the power of the cross. There's no other message. It all flows out of that. The wisdom. Let me prove that to you. He goes on and he says this. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, those who are saved, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Now we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What's the secret wisdom? That the Messiah was going to come and die on the cross. 
The rulers, the principalities, the demonic realm didn't understand that that's what God had planned for the salvation of mankind. If they did, they never would have crucified him. The religious leaders had no idea that this was the way of salvation. They thought Messiah would come in and rescue them from Roman guards and Roman government. Then no one saw it coming. But God has displayed it for all mankind to know. It's a wisdom that only the saved begin to understand because you must come to it by faith. Not by your superiority of intellect. That opens the door up to every human being and all ages of people. That's merciful. He goes on to say this, No eye has ever seen, nor ear has ever heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. God has revealed all of that to us by His Spirit. This is where the wisdom comes in, brothers and sisters. Let me explain it to you. See, we quote this verse, No eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love Him, and we stop there. You should not. Because what he's actually saying is, what no mind could conceive by God, you now can by the Spirit. That's what he's saying. Now the world can't conceive of this. They look at the cross, they say, this is stupidity. And you Christians are a bunch of morons. That's what they're saying about you. Did you know that? All right? And, and they can't conceive what God has prepared for those who love Him, but we can. They hear the preaching of the gospel, but they can't hear the preaching of the gospel. Right? They see what Christ did on the cross, but they cannot see the riches of eternal glory in it. Because sin and pride and the God of this age has blinded their eyes from the light of the glorious gospel. But we, with unveiled faces, reflect God's glory and we witness to them and we speak to them and we pray for them that they may know Christ crucified. And in that, see, we know God revealed it to us by His Spirit. I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, everybody in this room is a privileged person. I understand that everybody in this room is saved. If you're not, I'm encouraging you to. And if you're not saved, this is probably getting long and boring to you. Because you don't get it. You just don't get it. I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Spirit, if you had the Spirit in you, you would get it, you would see it, you would know it, you would believe it. It would all begin to open up. See, now here's the wisdom of God, and this is where God, the Spirit of wisdom comes in. This is God's plan. Man had broken fellowship and covenant with with God. Man was dead in his trespasses and sin. God came in the flesh as a perfect man. Not born of Adam, but born of God, yet in a woman to bypass the curse of sin and to have pure blood in him. He lived a sinless life and He lived for us. He went to the cross so that on the cross He would be cursed for all of us and our sins would be put upon Him. He died taking and collecting all the sins of the world upon Himself so that God's righteous and holy judgment would be poured out 
on sin as a just and holy God, but it would be poured out upon His Son instead of us. And as His wrath was poured out upon His Son, His Son died fulfilling the judgment for sin on the cross. Canceling the debt of sin and restoring covenant with the Father so that after three days death could not hold Him because He was innocent of sin. He rose from the dead and now sits at the right hand of God. And so therefore, if we put our faith in what Christ did, our sins are removed so that His Spirit can now what? Dwell in us, and there's the Spirit of wisdom that now abides in you. You have the Spirit of God. So there's a real simple test. If this makes sense to you, you're in. Serious. That that might be too basic for some folks. That might be, you know what? But did they speak in tongues? Have they stopped all their sinning? Have they done it? Now that's a walk that we're working on, brothers and sisters, but I want to tell you something. If the wisdom started and you say, I get it, and I need it, I'm working at living it, but I get it, that's the first sign that there's a spirit of wisdom within you and dwelling in you. So I want to praise God for that. Now how many of you get it? Amen? All right. Now, how many of you have family that doesn't? And they look at you and say, I don't get it. What's the big deal? Why are you always saying this to me? Because there's a wisdom there, and and it's foolishness to them. But don't stop preaching, because there was a time when it was foolishness to you. Remember that? Remember reading the Bible, and you're going like, Man, I just, what the, what's the point? I do not get this. What happened? Spirit of revelation and wisdom was birthed in you. Now let's go on. Let's see what happens. God revealed it to us by His Spirit. Verse 10. Now, catch this. Here's where the wisdom comes from. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. That makes sense, doesn't it? The Spirit of God knows the mind of God the Father. Wouldn't, wouldn't that make sense? In fact, he gives you an analogy. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? Right? You know what you're thinking right now. I don't know what you're thinking, but you do. The spirit of a man knows what he's thinking. Same with the spirit of God. He knows what Father's thinking. So consider this. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. I don't know what God's thinking. But the Spirit of God does. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. Well, you don't understand what that's saying. That's saying that we have God's thoughts, mind, and will dwelling in us. If the Spirit of God's in me, I can know the mind and heart and will of God. That is a wisdom that surpasses Yale, Harvard, U of M, and Wayne State. You can put them in the order you want. 
the little old bag lady that's living on the streets that's trusting Jesus for her next meal has greater wisdom that the man, than the man who's sitting in the ivory tower running the industries over these nations. If you know God, you've got more wisdom than that. Oh, they may know how economics and they may know how to make a dime and they may know how to make things run. But to know life and the mysteries of what life is all about is to know the Spirit of God. That's within us. That's where wisdom starts. The fear of the Lord. Now, he goes on, he says, this is what we speak. Not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught to us by the Spirit. Expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we've got a frustrating job to do. But as St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel and if you must, use words from time to time. We think that our articulate conversations and arguments are going to win the lost. And I'm telling you, it's all by the Spirit of God. When you're witnessing to someone, when you're sharing someone, when you're trying to, you know, we're trying to cleverly craft a way that we can be interested in Jesus, guess what? It's nonsense to them anyways. But still, learn your best ability to present the gospel in your unique ways. Learn your arguments. Learn the way to present it. But always and only rely on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that He would quicken them to begin to grasp it. There are people out there that you have no idea who the Spirit has already stirred up and is ready to receive that Word. And so the Spirit of God is going to birth people. It's a wisdom that you and I have. And so, brothers and sisters, He says that there is this wisdom that the world cannot know because they're not, they don't spiritually discern. But the spiritual man, verse 15, makes judgments about all things. He Himself is not subject to another man's judgment because He's making decisions not based on worldly wisdom, but godly wisdom. When I told my family I was quitting GM to go into ministry, that didn't seem too smart. <laughs> Worldly wisdom said, You're, you got a good job. 30 and out. Ha ha, little did they know. I'd have been on the streets right now. 30 and out don't work no more. It's just out. You put the number beforehand and then the out's out. Right? What happened to our security? What happened to our best worldly thinking? All of our plans. You follow the way of God. You don't let the world judge your motives and your abilities when you're relying on the will of God. That's wisdom from God. That's revelation from God. And he said, you got, and this is the thing, this is where the wisdom, for who, I gotta put my little there, who has known the mind of the Lord? that He may instruct Him, but we have the mind of Christ. There it is. There it is. How do we have the mind of Christ? Dwelling in us? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. So how do we have the mind of Christ? 
we have the adoption as sons. We've been adopted by God because the Spirit dwells in us and now we can know the mind of God. Everyone in this room has the ability to know the mind and will and purposes of God for their lives. Many of us have not pursued it enough because we're not willing to let go of our worldly wisdom. My mama told me, this is how we do it. My daddy said, that's the way it should go. You need to listen to your heavenly Father in what He's telling you to do. There is greater wisdom in this. We're not to be ignorant of the world. Paul understood the Greek poets. He would quote them to the people. Paul understood the arguments of all those against Christianity. But he had a wisdom from God. How about you? Are you relying on the wisdom of God? Look at what Jesus said. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Hold the bus right there. Did you hear what he just said? Everything. Did I I read that right? Everything that I learned from my Father. In other other words, everything that the Father revealed unto Jesus. And how much do you... Huh? All of that I've made known to you. So where's the disconnect? He, in fact, downloaded it into your hard drive. It's a zip file right in here. It's called Holy Spirit. Extract all. You know, you go to your computer, you want to open the zip file, you hit extract all, and this thing goes... We're not extracting all. There is a wisdom here that the world doesn't understand. You see, many of you right now have not advanced in the knowledge of God because you have been restrained by the world. You want the world to accept you. I'm here to tell you they will not. You want the world to say, Oh, good, Christian. That's a great way. I'm glad you believe in Jesus. They will not. You're waiting to move further. You won't move further in God till someone accepts and says, good for you. Well, they won't. So stop waiting on worldly wisdom and get into God's wisdom. Everything Jesus had revealed to Him, He's revealing unto you. We should be smarter and more wise in the ways of God than we are. We need wisdom from on high. We need revelation of the truth of God's Word. And the only reason we don't have it is because we're not seeking it and trusting Him. He said in Galatians, we cry, Abba, Father. It's that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit. We're the children of God. And if we're the children of God, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And so I conclude, Paul said, I'm praying for you that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Him better so that you would know the of your calling. You would understand the riches of your inheritance and you would begin to comprehend that all the power of heaven stands behind you. So don't be deceived by the wisdom of the world. Don't be timid because the world puts fear on you. God hasn't given us the spirit of timidity or fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's the spirit of God. And so, brothers and sisters, you have a wisdom that this world does not have.
They don't understand that when they torture you or beat you, that it's not about your comfort. You can never renounce what is true. We will never give up what we know to be true. This is a wisdom that we must rely on in all of our decisions. And I would say to the simplest things, we're not using godly wisdom, we're using worthy wisdom. And we must in all things now use godly wisdom. And that starts at the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads, oh God.